Welcome to Encounter. This is a podcast and radio show where we seek to encounter Christ, culture, and community. And in this week's episode, uh, Joe Cole and I are going to work through Matthew. Um, so we started with an overview of Matthew several weeks ago, and then we took a couple sidesteps. Uh, we'll be having a guest on next week, Mr. Paul Kaiser, and we're excited about having him on. And uh, from there, uh, we're going to be working through Matthew. And uh, Matthew, uh, during the overview, what we did is we explained a few things, but one was that the book is kind of broken down into five main parts or sections or discourses, and that helps us kind of understand the Bible as we go through because we have a map of where we're going um, as we go. So as uh, so we did the overview, tonight we're going to lead up to part number one. And when we do so, um, if you've listened to our, our John study, which we did a year ago now, I think we started it. November, December. I don't. Do yeah, I'm, I don't I'm so bad when it comes to time. <laughs> no, actually, we started John in in, a, in the new year with the young adults, so that means we started it kind of around the same time. I think. Oh, I was just going to say that felt like three months ago. It did. It did feel like three months ago. Okay. So, in the same way we went through that, one of the the topic of tonight, which was also a topic of at least one episode and at least one of our addictions episodes, um, oh. with uh, is the reoccurring theme or motif or idea of Exodus. Um, and so the new Exodus and Jesus as the new Moses. So as we discovered that through John, uh, Joe did a nice job putting together some ideas on on what that looks like in Matthew. So as, we, as Matthew rolls out Jesus's birth, and then we get into our first section by chapter five, we see a lot of the same, um, not analogy- yeah, say, I guess analogies, comparing one to the other um, in order to enrich um, the first. So, Joe, so what are you, um, what are you thinking about tonight for, for where we're going to go with this? So Jesus as the new Moses. No, so, um, so we, I don't know, we talked about how um, Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels. Um, maybe first, maybe second, but definitely one of those two. And... Um, I think that uh, specifically with his genealogy, he is showing that Jesus is the son of David, son of Abraham, and then he leans into this Moses motif, and I think it's like a, it, it, and then pretty much hangs there for the. He does go back to the David theme, but you know, son of David, but um, but he hangs in the Moses one for quite a long time through the book, and. Uh, so I think it's important to recognize. Mm. Yeah, it definitely catches you off guard. Because, I mean, normally genealogies, you start at the beginning, and he starts yeah. out with David, and it's just cementing his the the kingship that uh, Jesus came into. Right. And then saying Abraham, and, and then going through the genealogy. Yeah. And so just to reinforce, I know I feel like if people are just jumping in and this whole idea of reoccurring types and things that reoccur throughout the whole Bible might be somewhat... I remember the first time I heard a Bible project and they talked about the chaos waters when yeah, I yeah. first started. Mm -hmm. I was a little turned off by it because it was something I never heard of before. Right. And the chaos waters. Yeah. yeah. Like what, what is this like whack job talking about? And um, not, I did kind of put them on the shelf for a few months though after I listened to that one because they were just saying a little, a lot of things that were just 
new and intimidating. The idea of chaos waters and hell is like repeated. And I was like, so the authors are making choices and like all these things. Um, So when we're talking about this tonight um, and we're talking about Jesus as the new Moses, this is recognized by Jesus, acknowledged by, you know, Jesus, when he refers to Jonah, um, like it is affirmed by the writers in the New Testament that the Bible is intentionally repetitive and brings up a lot of Old Testament scriptures. This isn't anything that we're just like randomly coming up with. There's a lot of scholars that agree and point out more nuanced versions of this than I would have. Oh, Paul does that. Yeah. Yeah. When Paul compares, (laughs) this is one that always like blows my mind because it's like, okay, this didn't theme, and you know, I mean, you got to take it as Paul saying it, so you got to take it as inspired. And but when he when he compares Jesus to the rock that they drank of Mm -hmm. in the wilderness, and I'm like, all right, I would have never made that. Yeah, but it's like that's that's Paul showing you like that there is types and you know and there's there's Christology throughout the Old Testament and you see. you know, I, that's one that's like I would have never made that one. So the, the other ones that are like more obvious, it's mm-hmm. like I feel comfortable making. And and it definitely it all builds off of each other as you get further and further in the New Testament. It's because we were talking about First John mm-hmm. the other night. It, they're just quote unquote plagiarizing more and more as they're just yeah. building their ideas and building out um, the theology of the Bible. So it's 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 really cool to see them constantly refer back. Right, and it's very um like assumed. So. How so? Like what I'm saying, they're writing, assuming that you know certain things. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're writing, assuming, like especially when they're, especially the Jewish, or the like, uh, Matthew, uh, John's writings, um, you know, the, the ones that are like very Jewish, they're assuming that you understand things. So, uh, and then what happens is when you don't, when you don't know things, then you things go miss. off the rails, a little wacky. Yeah. Hashtag Revelation. But like John's assuming that you know all of those Old Testament passages that he's talking about, and you know that's the, so they, they, they write. What is that called? I don't like. A, a, they write under an assumption, presupposition. Uh, yeah. It's, okay. It's yeah. presuppositional. Where it's just like they they assume you know what we're, what we're talking about. We yeah we assume that you have grown up Jewish and lived this your whole life right. and understand. Or bare minimum, you have to. Jewish friends. Yes. And like yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean it's a it's a stretch, but there was a controversy like a decade ago about SAT questions and how they were language coding towards middle to upper class kids, where it was like this is to this as a yacht is to this, and like none of the low income you know inner city kids were getting that one right because they didn't know what a yacht was. Okay. So like they're assuming yeah, that everybody yeah. is at least aware. Right. Right, right, right. big old boats are you know when it's like if you're landlocked and you don't have access to the internet and you know you're not going to know mm-hmm. so it's assuming that it's making presuppositions about the audience right right yeah um, which means it's written to an audience yeah yeah, yeah I mean specifically I mean yeah it's written in a language so it's written to <laughs> yeah, just, just exactly. very clearly yeah. yeah but yeah you brought it up at the very beginning it's very <laughs> it's written to Jews it's it's yeah. hard to miss that throughout yeah especially Hebrews it's a letter to the Hebrews, to the Hebrews. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, so just, I, I know we're going to hop into Moses in a second, yeah. but, um, so there's this, this term that from this, uh, this book called, uh, reading Moses, seeing Jesus. Um, and he goes into it and tries to prove what we're saying right now through a couple examples, but he goes through this, this literary technique used by, um, rabbis that's has a, the Hebrew name here, but it's called the deeds of our fathers are the signs to our sons. And what that means is the first example of anything used in the Bible um, ser- uh, serves as the the archetype for how the rest of the Bible is going to lay out examples of that. 
So he says, like, when you see what Adam does, you're going to see that repeated multiple times because that is going to be um, laid out. So the one of the examples he uses in, in Micah, where it says, like, the sins of Jacob are the reason why um, Samaria is falling. And it's, it's talking about the actual sin that Samaria has is because of who, you know, Jacob's sin that he had, and it trickles down. So okay. it's, a, it's a very occurring thing. Yeah. And usually every person has at least one obvious direct link. So he goes through and shows how, um, how uh, one of them is, he has Adam and Noah. Um, but the one that really kind of gripped me was the, the, the direct connection between Noah and Moses, which I normally haven't. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily pick up right away. Um, and it's showing how um, they both were rescued by a water vessel out of the water and how Noah with the ark. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Okay. and then Moses with the I forgot he the named basket. the first Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, So he just goes through all of the the examples of um, the the words. The word basket had two obvious Hebrew words. Um, and he specifically chooses the one that you, means ark. So it says, why would Moses avoid the two proper Hebrew words for basket in favor of a word only used elsewhere to refer to Noah's Ark, if not to make an intentional link between the two stories? Mm. And then he goes through like a dozen or so other things that they would want the reader to pull out as commonalities between the two to see how God redeems both. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I just think that was like, that's so cool. And something that only a scholar would pick up on. Like yeah, that's a yeah. nuanced connection yes, that yeah. I would not- have Yeah, you gotta had. know Hebrew, you gotta know Greek. Yeah, so he goes over um, the, how- the the Israel's Exodus in Genesis repeats keywords and phrases found only elsewhere in um, in Genesis twelve. So he compares the Genesis twelve to um, the Israelites' Exodus, um, uh, the Israelite Exodus, um, and intentionally reminding the reader of what happened to Abraham. So you get a big uh, comparison between Abraham and and Moses. Hmm. Um, so it is. Uh, and this book, who Joe actually informed me tonight, because I didn't know um, that this is a, uh, I know he's a Messianic rabbi, but this is a book written to Jewish people, why um, Jesus and the Messiah are the direct object of the law in the Old Testament. So he is a witnessing tool for yeah, Jews. that's cool. Um, and what he's doing is, is tapping into, like, you're not, you're not reading this book if you're casually, if you don't eat, like, you eat kosher you know, like once mm -hmm. a week or something. To, to, these are people who like know the know the Tanakh, who who yeah, know yeah. The, the, and he's appealing to them, saying, "Okay, you thought that this is what the law meant. This is what it does mean. You thought that there was um, that those two characters were isolated when actually they were intentionally linked to point towards the Messiah, like Hebrews would." Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, all that to say is that we recognize big ones like. Um, the door on the ark uh, pointing towards the one way to uh, you know Christ eventually come, and then we the have serpent the, the serpent staff. on the staff, and like the obvious ones that you know we heard um, Jesus the second Adam, Paul Jesus the second Adam, like the obvious ones, but there's dozens, if not hundreds, of connections between characters that are intentionally highlighted that a Hebrew scholar would be like, oh yeah, and even even like storyline, like I, I once you learn them. To me, it, like the Bible comes to life so much more because then you like just like like pastors talking about through the life of Joseph right now. And as he's talking about it, I'm like, I'm linking, I'm like, oh, so Joseph's interpreting dreams. And then after he interprets the dreams, he gets elevated mm -hmm. to a point of high authority. Just like that just the same thing as Daniel. Mm -hmm. And then Daniel, same exact thing, uh, both of them. Same, it, it's, it's I often get them confused a little bit, Joseph and Daniel. 
Like as a kid, yeah. and not not oh, as okay. much now, but yeah. even now though, like I'll just say Daniel, and I'll have Joseph's life in my brain. Oh, okay. And then because they're 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 very similar, right, right. And but but Joseph's like, in jail. Who's wearing the colorful thing? Like, right, Joseph's in jail. He comes out, interpret dreams, gets elevated. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel in the lions then interpret dreams, gets elevated. Jesus is in Hades, right? Mm-hmm. Then he gets elevated to all authority and dominion over all all the you know. So it's like the, they're put in place for a reason. Yeah. Um, but it's just cool because now when you hear you hear a story, you're like, man, that sounds just like that, or that sounds like that. Mm. And so I, I, the reason why I wanted to paint this is like uh, paint that picture of it being so commonplace and so intentional is because one, we are no not we are not even remotely scratching the surface of the depth of what the Bible mm-hmm. has to offer with yeah. these archetypes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, you may also be intimidated by us scratching the, the surface. surface. Right. Yeah. Um, so. Um, Get over it either way. We're not we're not mm. saying we know everything, but we are saying we know a couple of things. Right. Um, and so to bring it back to the bio project, though, what you um that feeling that you had that you that you said you had in the beginning, mm-hmm. where you like kind of shelved them, I think it's because I mean, obviously they're they're speaking and they're bringing they're bringing to life with ancient and not just Jewish, but like ancient writers used to do constantly. Like so they used to write in these ways. And that is such a lost thing and a lost art that, like, we, especially if you've been taught the doctrine of, like, we believe in plain and literal interpretation of the, you know what I mean? It's like, well, that's a shame because they didn't write like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They spent agonizing hours writing it not like that. So, you know, and you're going to miss a lot then. So, mm-hmm. but the Bible Project is, like, bringing, they're, they're taking ancient thoughts to current people. Mm. So we're not used to thinking like that or like, you know, when they're talking about like the, uh, uh, they, they spend a lot of time in Genesis for that reason. And like you've taught like with, uh, when you've taught through other books like Gilgamesh and stuff, like mm. these kinds of stories were popular around the ancient world. Yeah. And so, you know, we've talked about that in Exodus, how God was like writing, you know, the Exodus, the plagues, they were attacking gods back then. Like, so it's, it's a lot deeper than... Yeah, even just a simple backdrop of like the Code of Hammurabi was written before right, right. the Levitical law. So like how knowing like all that stuff seems so absurd, but when you know what the law, not it's uh, Code of Hammurabi wasn't like a law, but like a, it, mm-hmm. it, in comparison to that, it matters right. like what was being said. Right, right. You know, um, so yeah, I agree. And and what also is a little bit harder to, with Bible Project is they don't make any statements about their theology ahead of time. So they don't have like an obvious framework. So they just literally go verse by verse mm-hmm. and they pull, not every time, but they seem to pull, this is what the Bible says. This is all the background for, background for it. Here's a small conclusion and they don't link it to any larger system every time. Right. So and I think like, that is the best way to teach. Yeah. That's true expository teaching. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, but it is a little uncomfortable if you're used to being like, okay, so we're going to find out why the Holy Spirit has these two functions today before you even get there. Right. Um, they're, yeah. So anyway, so that is the backdrop for, for what we're uh, saying and, and why we're saying it today. So Jesus says the new Moses, if that's, if that's like shocking, um, I, I hope we can roll it out in a pretty simple manner. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good segue to like what I, uh, I think what we're describing in a, in a very long way, we just described it, but is when authors use uh, direct definition and indirect presentation, and that sounds that sounds like knowledgeable. Like very but indirect it's really way not. to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, direct definition would be a letter like a letter by Paul, 
mm-hmm. or like a letter to the church or like this is that this is that to somebody. yeah you're literally writing to somebody like this is exactly what i'm saying you is what it is mm-hmm. he think of hebrews jesus is greater than the angels jesus is greater than like or even um, like acts where it's like very historical actions yes. things that are yeah, happening uh, uh narrative mm-hmm. right indirect presentation think revelation where he's just assuming you know the whole Old Testament, like the back of your hand, so you would make the connections. When I bring up Sodom, when I bring up Jericho, when I bring up these things, like you just you're going to get what I'm saying. And but if you don't, that's on you, you know. So that's an indirect presentation. And I think Matthew directly says a lot of things, but this picture of Moses that he's painting is an indirect presentation. Like, yeah, I'm going to make a lot of connections with Jesus's life, hoping that you get what I'm saying here, because he never. What, like like Paul would call Jesus the second Adam. Matthew does not call Jesus the second Moses. Mm. Um, in John, they do, you know, the, the crowd does say like, is this the one that Moses said? Was, like, so they do mention it, but less so in, in Matthew. Yeah, the the way that I used, when I used to teach direct and uh, indirect uh, characterization, it was like direct definition or direct characterization is is like Dr. Seuss, the cat, the hat is blue. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it just tells you what it is. Yeah. Or like Matthew is obese. Yeah. You know, and then the indirect characterization is when Matthew walks down the hallways, mm-hmm. you know, the lockers bounce Shake. open and yeah. the, the world is off kilter. Um, so ooh, off kilter. That's, that was the key word. Light just went out. On kilter. On, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the, uh, that would be like the whole idea of direct and indirect characterization slash, um, so for um, this, we're putting Matthew in the category of indirect characterization or indirect presentation. Yeah, yeah. So meaning it doesn't well, or this directly. Theme at least a lot of theme. I mean, a lot of things he says directly, but like th- this theme is an indirect presentation. Um, wow, this just got real first century. <laughs> yeah, um, like <laughs> we're pretty much in the dark here. For the <laughs> Is it burning my computer? Um, it's it's kind of far away. No, it's over here. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, so I wrote down uh, three reasons why like Matthew has the freedom to do this, and we talked about how like this is the writing like assumed. So um, by the time the first century rolls around, people are expecting the Messiah, and there's I have three reasons here why they would be. Um, one, because Moses literally uh, says in Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen to eighteen, we've mentioned this before through John. But in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses says, The Lord God, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So, that is the backdrop verse of first century people expecting a Moses-like figure to be uh, the Messiah. Um, that's why in John, you get the crowd asking, like, is this the prophet Moses talked about? Like, um, when they say the prophet, is this the prophet? They're referring back to this verse. Um, so is there a reason specifically this time? Like the Well, that's going to unfold. Okay. That's like that, but that's just what, a, a Moses-like figure, why they would gotcha. understand that. Um, secondly... Uh, through Isaiah, Isaiah brings up the second Exodus theme. Um, all throughout Isaiah, but he really hones in from like 40 on, chapter 40 on. But he, four things he like, he constantly is painting this uh, 
the second Exodus theme. Um, one, he mentions uh, he's constantly using the highway in the desert. Um, Yahweh uh, leading his people uh, for thirst and provision of water and food along the journey. Three, Zion as the final destination of the new Exodus. And four, the leadership of this uh, prophet or suffering servant. And so Isaiah, I mean, that's a long book, you know, mm. but, but he's constantly like bringing up the second Exodus motif. Mm-hmm. And then to, now the time indicator is Daniel. So if you remember Daniel, he prophesies of the four empires in the dream, mm-hmm. in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. You got the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and then the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, the 69th week, that is when the Messiah will be here and be cut off. So uh, the Roman Empire, they're living in the Roman Empire. So thinking, okay, it, it's within... We're, in the ballpark, you know, so they got to be expecting a messianic figure. Mm. Um, uh, Daniel says, then to him was given, this is in the Roman Empire, then to him was given dominion and glory and the kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So with these three kind of things, you got Deuteronomy, you got Isaiah's second exodus, and you got Daniel's time of when this was going to happen. By this time, they're expecting a Moses figure to come around. Um, so Matthew can write these things, assuming that they're going to get get all the references, because tensions are high. Let's just say, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I like the way that like so the the time the time references is cool for for Daniel. Yeah. And- didn't we also do, like, during the Christmas episode, we talked about how Jewish calendar or Jewish writings that they write weeks as, like, years and stuff. And uh, like you, in prophecy, yeah. In prophecy, yeah. and how you could have counted it out to oh, be, yeah, like— all the way to his—when um when, when, when he comes in on the donkey. Yeah, yeah. to the exact day. Yeah, when to he, the day, he rolls yeah. In. yeah. So, so they knew it was coming up that way as well. Right. So th- this backdrop just gives Matthew the freedom to write like this because he's writing to people— thinking like him mm. and his job now is just to prove why this person that we've all been waiting for is That's jesus a, and has already come and, and the has, things yeah. that he's fulfilled and things that yeah. he's done mm-hmm. which is why going back to the very beginning he starts with his genealogy because right. he's got to prove who he is and Correct. his, his yes. ethnos and and why jesus has the authority and, and is the messiah yeah and and i can't fully see the book because it's dark but the uh the idea of um, it's interesting with Jesus and Moses, like another kind of link is like Moses was so tightly connected to the presentation of the law for the first time in the Old mm-hmm. Testament. Um, and we see, you know, uh, Mount Sinai, we see the, the Ten Commandments and and then like the Levitical law all coming out. And then we see Christ kind of, fuf- I mean, not kind of, but fulfilling the law yeah. and, and flipping the purposes. So like Moses brought it, mm-hmm. Jesus fulfilled it. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, that's just another it's a kind of a contrast but also a connection at the same time so uh, so when you think so okay so I guess we're gonna Jesus yes yeah, so when we get yeah uh-huh. when we get into the genealogy like I mean, Matthew picks like your heavy hitters. Yeah. And I mean, when you think of the patriarchs, who, what do you think? David Gusick, um, <laughs> Chuck Smith, 
the lead singer of Skillet. Stephen Curtis Chapman. I'm trying to think. You're talking about Jewish. I meant Jewish patriarchs. Yeah, yeah, Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. That's the ones you think of. That's your first three. Yeah, the first three. Yeah. I guess when you say patriarchs, yeah, that would be your first three. Maybe I was thinking like your figures. Oh, Jewish, okay. Most important Jewish figures. Um, well, then continuing that, Joseph, and how far you want to take it, David and, uh, and Solomon. I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, like, yeah, it could be anybody, but I'm just. Uh, I think he picks them based on covenants. I think Matthew picks. Sorry, if we're talking about the genealogy. Yes, and I think you know he picks. He says he picks Abraham and he picks David mm-hmm. um, for the covenants that came through them. Um, and um, so, so, like the covenant of the people for Abraham and the covenant of the, uh, um, the world, the, the royal priesthood, priesthood, yeah, the priesthood royalty, for David. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so the son of so he calls him. Yeah. So this. So he starts off Matthew one one the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah the son of David the son of Abraham. Um, and then we don't have to get too lost in the weeds of the genealogy. Um, but it is interesting that yeah, he makes two pockets of 14. Uh, so this is 14 generations going back to this. This is 14 generations going back to that. And um, that's inten- uh, clearly intentional, but also not correct. And if you were Jewish, you would know that. Um, he, he leaves out certain people to get to the number of 14. So he uh, specifically on uh, in the, the line of David, um, multi- three generations get left out to make the numbers work. Hmm. And um, according to, I was reading, uh, the Bible Project has a cool article on this, and I was reading it there saying like they think that's because they David, and, and I, this is an area where I think people get weirded out. When people, but it's because as soon as people hear numbers, they're like they freak out. But this was so common back then, and if you just equate it to like Roman numerals, it's not a weird thing. But gematria, the the art of using numbers to mean things, like David spells out fourteen. David in Hebrew is fourteen. Okay. Um, and that's just, that's all. Just like six hundred sixty six is Nero. Like that's mm-hmm. they add up to it's obvious of what it is. Like so, but um, we're, we're that's a foreign concept for us when our. Right, we actually have letters don't have equating numbers. Correct. Yeah, we have Arabic numbers and Greek and and Latin letters. Mm -hmm. So, um, but they didn't. They they just work. Their numbers were their letters. So they could they could like read and count at the same count at the same time. Like that's how it's like. It's almost like I don't know sheet music maybe, but that's I don't know what it would be like. But so they would they would constantly catch all these things. Then like if you um. The rabbi that's on staff for Ben Shapiro. Nope, the chosen. The rabbi that's on staff for the, um. Oh my gosh, I can't think of his name now. Yitzvah. Um. Yeah. Pull it up. It's gonna drop. It begins with a J. Jason. Is it Jason? But anyway, he he writes a lot of. Jason Sobel. Yeah, yeah. He writes a lot of books regarding uh. He's a messianic Jew, but he writes a lot of books regarding like the numbers and how a lot okay. of numbers like pointed to Jesus and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I think it was the uh, the Bio Project. They th- they they were like they they think it's the point to that he's from the line of David. Um, David adds up to fourteen. Hmm. Um, Never heard that one. And the, so, but but the point being that this was common. So like ancient genealogies, they would often man, you know manipulate things to make 
we think differently. And this is what a lot of people in our, in our contemporary culture, they have a problem. Like what we're talking about right now, they have a problem with like, well, how come John's gospel says this is this and how come John's and Matthew says this is this and Luke says that. They find discrepancies. And, right. They find discrepancies and it's like because the authors are trying to say something different. That's mm-hmm. literally why. And a first century thinker isn't worried about the chronological order of how things happened. They didn't read like that. They just didn't read like that. They read like, what are you trying to say with your order? Mm. And so like any first century Jew would recognize that this genealogy is missing three generations. But they would say, why? Not like, they wouldn't say, oh, this is not credible. Everyone knows the generations. They would say, why? Why is he writing like that? And it's to point to this Davidic covenant being fulfilled in Jesus, Mm. like adding up to 14 for a reason. Um, So... That's just the difference of mindsets, how like we read now, it's like, oh, well, we can't trust Matthew. He missed three generations. So you think Matthew didn't know what the three generations were? That they were yeah. like, but we, that's just not how people read today. So they, they use that as a reason to not trust the Bible, but just because you're not understanding how they wrote. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even with, because I've been working through the minor prophets, even with them, like they, I never fully realized that there were always prophets all the time. Like it wasn't just like the minor prophets were one of hundreds of prophets that were alive yeah. at the time yeah. that wrote in similar styles. Mm-hmm. Like they wrote their pro- their books mm-hmm. of prophecy or they wrote their whatever, their scrolls, their their messages that, you know, if they were bound in a book could sound a lot like the Bible. Yeah. Um, but they were normally people that would um, like in- either interpret dreams or just like tell the king what they think would happen and give them their best advice. So, like, when they're reading a lot of the stuff that would happen and what would be written um, as poetry in the Minor Prophets or just the prophets in general, that would be, like, the literary standard of the time in those Correct. ways that they were writing. Mm-hmm. Um, only difference is these were inspired by God and the other ones weren't. Right. You know? So, th- it just helps understand that. It's like, man, these things are just very – I find them frustrating to read. Like, there's so many names and towns that, like – like, even the first chapter of Micah, like, there's, like, a, there's like a list of three towns that keep saying over again. They're not even real towns. Like, they have no archaeological evidence of them. But if you break down their Hebrew name, they right. each have, like, an attribute of God that they're breaking in the covenant. Right. And it's like, holy moly. Like, yeah. I would never have guessed that because I just put it in another list. Okay, another friggin' name, I don't know. You right. know what I mean? Like, where's Morasheth or whatever? Nope. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I'm like, I'm not down, I'm not like making fun no, of it. Like, no, but, but my yeah. point is like, I just always feel like how much backdrop do I have to do for this stinking thing that makes sense to me? Um, because I, where, on, where on the map is it? You know, how's it going to help me understand? When it's like, it's the way that these, they were writing is the way that everybody else was writing and right. it was full of imagery and poetry. Right. Anyway. No, so, and that, and that just to me, that just proves that we. I think we think we did an episode on this talking about like how to read the Bible for all it's worth. Did we do an episode on that? Maybe I just talk about it a lot, but uh, I can't even remember. <laughs> but like, we, yeah, each week, kind of. Yeah, 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 I feel like no, it's, it's well, too many. I, we've definitely said this before, where it's like a main thing is that like, and we, you're proving the point where it's like it was not written to us; it was written for us. Mm-hmm. And the first readers that they would have known, but that like, if I, you know, what I mean, if I wrote to you about something that happened in Atco. Somebody from the Philippines is going to be like, oh, I don't even know what that means. Is it, what is that? Is that a guy? Is that a, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but that's a place. And our listeners right now from Seattle, they're not going to know what the reference I just made. Yeah. You know, but um, so it was written to them for us. So yeah, so now we have to do extra work. Mm. But um, we also get hindsight. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So w- where are we right now? I'm trying that. So we're just talking about the the sets of fourteen um, that Matthew 14, does the genealogy right right, right and the genealogy um, and then what I thought was really cool especially this is really contrary to the 
culture back then, um, the inclusion of non-Israelites and specifically uh, sexual scandals. Like uh, Tamar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you go through, and, and Matthew chooses to list Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, um, all four are either non-Israelites or connected to non-Israel families. Um, and uh, they all had sex scandals within their lives. Mm-hmm. And when you combine those two things, because if you take one of those things, well, okay. I, when, if, you read, if you've read all of Matthew, and then you go back and read the genealogy, and like, why might he include both of those things together? Not just sexual scandals, but non-Israelites. Um, mm. The article that I was reading is the connection to that, like, uh, he is calling out Israel's idolatry. Okay. He's bringing to mind Israel's idolatry, and like, this is how you guys got to where we are. Like... So you didn't have a line of perfect people. You didn't have a line of perfect people. You didn't have a line of Israelites leading up to this. Correct, correct. And you guys were, you guys have a generation, generation of idolatry, sexual idolatry. Like you know, uh, Jeremiah and then you know, call is Israel the harlot. You know, so, um, and then that kind of sets the stage a little bit for now. And then what Matthew goes on to do for the rest of his book when he calls out the Pharisees and the woes to the Pharisees and all those things and. Um, so just within the genealogy is like it's packed. Yeah, I, I I think that's a reasonable answer, just based like in a reasonable inference. What you just said about the four, like, and that's not only the numbers, but in terms of include why include those four people. Yeah, it seems that's like the only reason I could think of doing yeah. that. Because yeah. yeah, why not include Sarah, Rachel? You know, like why not yeah, include like the, the, the matriarchs? Yeah. yeah, I was thinking it also culminates in Mary as well with the sex scandal around yeah. her and how. Like Absolutely. Joseph yeah. standing by her and mm-hmm. and like still choosing to raise Jesus like that's that all comes through her. It as all well. comes through, yeah. And then also just recently, having gone through Acts, seeing the transition to like salvation being available to the Gentiles as well, like kind of you know implying that it was some there were Gentiles involved in the for, up till now. Yeah. You know, like it's a, it, this was always it's, the plan. it's not like a completely new concept. Yeah. It's like it is new in like the completion of it yeah but it's not that foreign from you yeah yeah that's i mean and you're right and high, like if you already threw it once and go back which i just did that makes sense that's why i'm saying that like i didn't pick up on that at all but yeah now you're yeah. saying that like i had just finished it last week and i was like oh that actually mm-hmm. does kind of fit oh that's a whole new layer that's cool. yeah yeah it's so, so then yeah i yeah i don't know i so then you get um you get Jesus. You get, you get this genealogy of yeah. Jesus, and you're pretty much saying, like, okay, so this is Jesus. He is like, Matthew's pretty much painting him like he is going to be the fulfillment of everything Israel wasn't. He is the he is the fulfillment of the covenant. He is gonna be what Israel wasn't. Mm. And then right after that, you get his birth. And now his birth, this is where you're like chapter two, you're like, now we're into Moses. So that was just the buildup of like Abraham. David, now you're into Moses. Um, and that's all just through like genealogies yeah. and just how he's phrasing different things. That's, that's right. And I think, yeah, because I th- and then these three people, I think, for the covenantal reasons. Like, and now, now you're getting into through Moses, Israel became a nation. They were just a people group before. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until the first Pentecost where it's like, now you guys are a nation with a constitution, for lack of better words. What are you, what are you scribing? I'm um, just writing a new um, book in the Bible. 
the Book of Adam. Oh, Third man. Flushalonians. <laughs> Flushalonians. Um, um, so, so chapter two, Adam, take, a, take that away. Chapter two, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, so we get the birth of, of Christ in, in chapter 2, um, and that's where, no, yeah. So, I'm, like, this and, and Luke 2 are the two, um, you know, chapters of the Bible where you, know, you get introduced most commonly during the holiday season to Christ. So whenever I hear them, there's so many images that flood my brain right. from childhood trauma of um, all the different like plays and being a cow, <laughs> yeah, yeah, being a cow, yeah. <laughs> which was brought up again this week. Uh, this past Sunday, it was brought up again. Um, Never who, living that down. Who was that? Um, uh, our uh, Caden was talking about he had a role in something that he oh at the at the co op this week he was brought up as an example like on stage and he was embarrassed about it and I was like let me make you feel better mm-hmm. and I told him. Yeah, I, I, for the listeners, I, if you, you can probably find it somewhere online. I don't know. <laughs> I was a cow, and I literally had scripted moves. <laughs> and I was like, for, I was like too old for like the parts that were played by kids, but I was still in Sunday school. I was like fourth or fifth grade. Um, my buddy was a donkey. Yeah, it was the, just a side. The co- have you seen the pictures of it? No. Oh, yes, recently, not too they long were ago. At the I think Diane showed me. Yeah. Um, like, it was, like, the most unflattering version of a cow costume. <laughs> like, it was stuffed and, like, very, like, sack-like. And I got painted my nose and my face and everything. And I just had to go, like, twice. <laughs> that was my role. And I was also, like, semi-obese at the time. So it was, like, very, you know. What's semi-obese? Like, chubby. Okay. Like so I, it felt directed. Like, I was, like. Typecasted, almost. Plus 30. For where I should have been. Gotcha. Yeah. Like 20 pounds lighter than I am now. No way. At what age? Fourth or fifth grade. I didn't gain weight for five or six years of growth. So my when I, when I was in your... sixth grade, I grew like from sixth to eighth grade, I grew a foot and stayed the same weight. Yeah. That, I, I'm a, I have been the same weight since give or take five pounds and not mm-hmm. including peanut DX. I have been the same weight since high school. Yeah. Like, I just don't, this is it. Like, I'm 10 get, more, but, uh. but, um, yeah, anyway. So when we, uh, when we get the, the layout of, of, um, uh, you know, the unraveling of Christ, um, do we see any layers of Exodus in the first, no, we definitely get it in chapter three with John the Baptist preparing the way. Um. Wilderness and the idea of yeah, Exodus. Yeah, well, in chapter and, two, yeah, where you get, uh, well, a lead up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, so real quick, I think it's cool that he goes through the Davidic, he's setting up that, like. This is Jesus, the promised king through the Davidic line, the royalty, right? Mm-hmm. And then immediately in chapter two, you get the king tension. Yeah. Now Herod, you get Herod, yeah. mm-hmm. who's not, who everybody knows is not a full Jew and shouldn't be king, was put in there by Rome. And now you get this, this is Jesus, who was this Jesus born king of the Jews? Now you get this Herod who doesn't even know the scriptures. Mm-hmm. He's got to call the chief priest. Like, where did they say, where did they say that, you know what I mean? Like, where did they say that? The Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. He's got to ask people. He's not even fully Jewish. So you get this tension immediately. Like, here's the promised king, and now you, and he's born. Now you get this tension with Herod. And um, right after the tension with Herod, you get through Joseph's dreams, you get them back into Egypt. And so they got to come out of Egypt. That would be the Moses part. But through Joseph's dreams, they get put right back into So this is still painting like this is the Jesus is the fulfillment of, of Israel. Mm. And then, uh, like the murdering of the of the children, massacre, yeah, massacre, massacre of the, of the innocents, children, yeah. right? 
Um, Passover. Passover, right. Herod slaughters the baby, so you get Herod as this archetype of Pharaoh now. Um, they're doing uh, the same thing. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, that's chapter two in a nutshell. We, we don't, you know. Yeah. You guys do your own. Yeah, I'm sure you've thinking. heard the story. Yeah, hundred yeah. the birth of Jesus. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, not to make a joke about that. But we, we had to. We talked about this before we started the episode. That that's a conscious decision not to read every verse. Like this is gonna. We're gonna be handpicking a few um, that you know we want to read um, to, with you guys. But we've we've read, so you have to too. Right. Um, so open up your Bible and read it. And um, and also just to spare you, you know, you have like the Bible app on your phone that's free that has like all these different dialects. And like versions, and they all sound better than we do. So, you know, I'll spare you from me stuttering through 15 verses and just go listen to it <laughs> from, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman who's read it. Um, I saw actually, that it's a brilliant idea, but they're putting, I, I saw a commercial for a Bible app that, that's like paying famous people to read like parts of the, so it's like Matthew cool. by Keanu Reeves. Like, Ooh, who would you pick? Um, I would have Liam Neeson at least do one. Um, who I. I would want an pick Irish. Pick two books. Pick two books, and then give me who you would have read them. Oh boy! Um, How about we do it this way? How about I pick the books because I don't know people, and then you guys okay, have to okay. go. All right, all right. All right. Um, Esther. Wow. Okay. And Acts. Is going... that for both? Is that for me, or is that for yeah. both of us? Ooh. Do, do, do uh, two just... for me, and then do two for Adam. Okay. Uh, that's. I guess that's for you, Esther Joe. Esther and Acts for me. I was okay. staring at you. Um, and for Adam, Genesis, and Luke. Ooh, Conor McGregor. Wow, that was I'm quick. Just kidding, oh. I'm just kidding. Because oh. he's got really, you uh, yeah, can't understand it at all. Yeah. Like, is this in Gaelic? What is yeah. <laughs> uh, Denzel for Genesis. Okay. And what was the second book? Luke. Luke. Uh, I'm trying to... Oh I, my I, god! I got to I got to go for Esther. I don't know how the book is influencing my decision. Like I, I just I feel know. like I'm just thinking of voices I would like to hear. What's your Esther? Ah, uh, see why not? Uh, I thought I had a good one, but now it's like there's a lot of feminine parts in that book. But regardless, my Esther, I would. Ooh, maybe <laughs> I didn't think this through. My Esther would be Ravi. <laughs> I want the like the middle. I want the Indian like Middle okay. Eastern for like the. Set the scene. Um, what was my other one? I mean, your that's other one was, huh? was Axe. Axe. Okay. Axe. Axe as spelt in A C T S. Yes. In case yeah. anybody was wondering. Not A X E, as Schwanny thought as of three days ago. Um, did, he thought that was the name of the book. Yeah. And I was like, what did Matthew you think? I was like, did you think it was like a weapon? I was like, there's no He's like, like, no, I thought it was a guy named Max. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. You didn't know church for a while. <laughs> 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 it was P90. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. but I guess he was talking about like, I guess he was talking about, I know, I was 145 pounds. <laughs> because God, <laughs> I guess he thought like, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, like just keep going with the names. And then you get James, you get Jude, you get. Yeah. I just, just, I don't know. I, I, like like yeah, I guess if you don't know through, the full, because yeah. we just say Acts, we don't say the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a cute little mistake. Um, the first thing I'm thinking of is Peter Dinklage. Don't know who that Peter is. The, the little guy from really short guy, right? um, everything from um, I'm trying to think of the uh, Elf, Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. 
You probably just, if you even know what Game of Thrones yes, is, you yes. know what I'm talking about. No, I, I know it from the Elf reference. Oh, do you really? Yeah, from the Elf yeah. reference? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's not a bad one, actually. He's got a nice voice. Yeah. Um, Axe, I want to do... I changed my first one. Sorry. You can you can answer in a second. My first one, Denzel, I'm sorry. Brian Cranston. Who's that? Breaking Bad. The, the oh, okay. Walter White. Mm-hmm. I want him. Okay. Um, for X, I'm going to do Gerard Butler. Mm, I thought of him. Did you? Originally. Yeah. yeah. I want his like original, his accent though. Like I, his, want it, I want the subtle one, not full accent. I Just, never heard him full. No, but Gerard Butler, like how he does like, you know that generic, like anytime they do a movie, regardless of where it is located in the world, it's like that kind of English, like 300. Isn't he Scottish? I thought he was Irish. Is he? But regardless, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know how like when you do three hundred, it's like they're not speaking with Greek. Yeah, yeah. They're, but but it's like Just that an accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and English accent, like yeah. Um, I'm just curious now. His accent is Scottish. Oh, he's Scot- Scottish. Scottish. Okay. Scottish. Yeah, uh, Craig Ferguson's got my favorite accent. It's Scottish, but like his favorite, like how he speaks. Mm. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, I'm going to give you an actor that you hopefully know and you tell me a book. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Morgan Freeman. What book would you want him to narrate? I mean, I first one that goes in like that deep voice is Genesis. I think of like yeah. in the beginning, in but the maybe beginning. it's just the first part of it, and then it wouldn't be good for <laughs> just the, giving that for that line. Yeah. All yeah. the in the beginnings. So John and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then like Madonna takes over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It starts. It's random. Um, and then, all right. I'm going to give you a, a, singer, a singer. And what what book would you want sang to? You? What what sang to you? I mean, I feel. Like all right. So no, I'm going to give it you. Can't a, be a song. Psalm 23. Who would you want oh. to sing that to you? Is this for everybody? Sure. Because <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm going to answer. It. Yeah. Okay. Psalm 23. No. Is it is it um cheating if I say Joshua Aaron? Well, I mean, we're gonna do it in Hebrew. Well, yeah, I mean, um, is that cheating? Um, no, but I want—that's not cheating. But I want a different one. Like, one okay. that would, right. like the, maybe our listeners might know. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't listen to Joshua, this Aaron, is a, this, yeah, yeah, this is a podcasting. Well, yeah, yeah, expand um, their their music knowledge. All right, Joshua Aaron, listen to him. He actually is good. Yeah, um, it, not him. So more contemporary. Um, He's like uh, the Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dre. Uh, <laughs> was that your most up-to-date rap reference? No, it wasn't. I just I, I don't know why that was the first person I thought of. Notorious B.I.G. Uh, I, I can't get Taylor Swift out of my head. I don't, don't take that out of context. Uh, but like that's – It would be a four chord. Yeah. I, yeah. Seems – Okay. So Taylor Swift, you want her to sing? I mean it's a popular person. I, I said who I want to sing. I can't it. even like uh, – Her voice I mean, sounded so – it, it, This is cheating. Can I get Shane? With Shane? Shane? Yeah. Because yeah, he, he actually has some. Has some, some <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can only have one of them, though. So I would I, actually want the second, yeah, the, the yeah. chubbier mm-hmm. one for that. The, he, the bearded one. Yeah. Let's, so, yeah. Well, they both have beards. No. There's not offensive terms here. It's not, it's not offensive. That was me. I, I was a cow. <laughs> no, he actually sings like it, his range is actually better. And I think he's more like traditionally sounding. Like Shane. Is the other the first Shane, whatever the high pitched one, is insanely no, the other one's higher. Yeah, but I for some reason it's like the screechier one, the one that leads all the time. Yeah, 
But the other you, one does a high harmony to right, that. Right, which is even crazy. Yeah. But when you hear them, like when they sing in their normal range, like right. when, he, when the normal, when the other, Shane uh, Bernard, when he leads, he's much lower when he, okay. when he sings his like melody. Um, but anyway, I, I would rather have the other one do the Psalms. I don't know what an answer for this would be for me yet. Um, I would probably say like the Need to Breathe singer. Oh, I think um, he's, he's fair. Pretty, he has a cool like, he enunciates well and says things like emphasizes different words differently. Shane Bernard and Shane Everett. Yeah. How do you doesn't help me identify which one's which. No, it doesn't. I. Mm, yeah. Can you do? Can you type in Shane Bernard? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Shane Everett. How are you, Joe? What was the question? Um, birthstone. What? Just kidding. What person would you? Oh, did you already say it? Shane, you said change your answer. Yeah, yeah. Give me another one. Shane Give me Bernard a secular is, singer. It's the main one. It's the main okay. One. A secular singer. Or the first dude. Um, <laughs> how secular are we going? I I don't know. As soon as I get to not Christian, that's just, it's all the same <laughs> to me. The weekend. Okay. I mean, that's just non. Psalm twenty three. The weekend. Yeah. Uh, I would like Ed Sheeran would be cool to hear. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I I just listened um to this like interview with him. This is a side note, and uh, I just am blown away by his humility. Yeah, and how cool he is as Did a you person. Watch his documentary? His documentary? No, I Disney didn't. Plus? No, oh, it's I, good. Is it good? Yeah. But like his whole idea of like how to get good at things, it inspired me. Yeah. Like the, I, you guys have probably heard this already, but he just basically Are said. You watching the one on Howard Stern? No. Oh, no, okay. Conan. He gotcha. did a, like a hour podcast on his, but he just uh, his basically the ten thousand hours thing. But he was saying that like he when he he's like naturally not very good at things, yeah. and he started off like kind of out of tune. He didn't have all these skills, and he's like, I'm still not that great at guitar. But he's like, I found out that like I I've looked up to somebody. I found out what their tour schedule was, and I tripled it, and that's how I did it. So he he looked up to James Blunt. And James Blunt was like a popular singer, I guess, from the area at the time. And he was doing one show a night. So he said he did three shows a night for 10 years and he got famous. It's like, it's just so inspiring to just, like, all the stuff that we want to be good at. It's, it's really it's not that crazy. Yeah, it's just yeah. do it. Just keep doing it, doing it, doing it. But that's what you're saying. That level of narcissism pops in because exactly. you have to, like, toss things to the side. Uh, John Baptist preparing the way. So we actually mentioned this like a while ago, way before we started doing this, as um, a few times when we we're talking about the New Exodus in the New Testament. And so John Baptist is like calling um, them into the wilderness. Well, yeah, make way a path. He's quoting from Isaiah. Mm -hmm. So bring up, so going back to that, like the Second Exodus. Um, and yes, for lack of better terms, but he is one. And this isn't far-fetched this is jesus even says this but matthew is the last of the old testament prophets that's not i know he's in the new testament but that's matthew. Just, Ma john, john the baptist john the what baptist. did i say matthew. you said matthew that's right yes john the baptist is the last of the old testament prophets mm -hmm. um but it, it does feel weird because we make that break which and, and start yeah. matthew yeah, yeah, yeah. and put it in the new testament correct um yeah in, in matthew 11 Jesus says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. 
And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. So that's even Jesus saying it. So it's like, and that's why he dressed, that's why he's acting like an Old Testament prophet. Getting out of the city, but putting on, he's dressing like Elijah. He's speaking like a prophet, um, living this like insane lifestyle. Mm. Um, so. It's interesting. What? No, not, not that I disagree or anything. It's just, it's, um, the characteristics of the prophets and like what they would do. Like I just never naked for like, yeah, yeah. Um, I just never, I never looked at him as as fulfilling those same things, like like to the three characteristics of a, of a prophet where they had to, um, they brought injustice and the violent in the covenant of Israel. They called the Israelites to pretend, to repent, and they announced the consequences for doing it or not doing it. And that was like the three functions of a prophet, yeah. and he fits yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah, it's just interesting. I, I, you, I knew that he was a, a Old Testament prophet, but looking at the characteristics of what they were, it's just eye opening. Yeah, and then if you go back to, so then if you go back to how we started this, but it's like you know, you're you're a first century Jew, and you're expecting a Moses-like figure, mm. right? And now John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he's in the wilderness. But then he says, "It's not me. There's one greater. There's, there's one greater than me. Mm-hmm. His bootstraps aren't even yeah, bootstraps. His uh, you know, pull them up. Yeah, his <laughs> tennis shoes that I'm not really worthy to tie. You know, so, um, and then you get Jesus' baptism, and that's when God announces that this is the one. This is my beloved son, who I'm well pleased." Um, so I think that building up, but yeah, but you're right. John the Baptist is, he's calling. And then as soon as the Pharisees get on, on the scene, he can pretty much condemns them. Like who warned you of the wrath to come? Like, so he's doing exactly what you just said. Yeah. Like, warning them. And they're always on the outskirts of the political rulers because they always yeah. speak truth. They don't want to hear. And the only time that they're ever affirmed is when they predict something happening and it does. Mm-hmm. And then they're brought in and then they present another truth. And then it's, hurts to hear, then they're put back on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, he's in exile. And usually killed, which eventually John the Baptist is. I know not yeah. directly through the Jews, but through Herod, because he wanted to please the Jews. So it's like... Right. Yeah, yeah and did. he was calling them out. Like yeah. he was calling... Yeah. His, uh, and that's what caused... Right. I mean, again, that's not... The, the function of prophets wasn't always fortune-telling. It was most of the time advice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if advice wasn't taken... You know, and so even then, that's technically fulfilling the role of a prophet, telling yeah. them, hey, "Listen, if you don't do this, that's actually more often, more often than what it was." Yeah, almost all the time it's recorded is just, yeah, like even the the, uh, the minor prophets are they're just condensed versions of their entire lives of prophecy, right? So yeah, like you have Ezekiel and the longer ones that these are just shrunken down like the spark notes. They're not like quoting what they've said. Right. It's like, this is what they've said over a period of 20 years while right. they were, you know. And yeah, most of them, like prophecy, uh, the office of prophecy was not like a, you did not want that. No. You were like called to live these like insane lives. I also and, didn't, I also thought they were like somehow like elevated, at least at the start, where like Micah was called out of a farm town. You know, he was like right, nobody. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine being, that's like the worst, you know. Yeah. And you probably, I mean, if you just study the history of them, like you probably know you're going to get killed. Yep. Yeah. You know? Mm. And Jesus makes that clear mm. um, in like Matthew 24. And then you see Stephen. Anytime awesome. that prophetic office, like not in the, you know, in the in the calling out 
idolatry, like they always end up getting killed. Mm. Um, it's almost like the, I think of the Hunger Games, like the beginning with the lottery. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Like the very beginning, where yes, like yes, Katniss's yes, sister gets yeah. called out and she steps in for. Her. It's like the if you're getting called to be a prophet, it's like you just lost the lottery. You right. know at that, that point, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I mean, you're probably gonna die. Yeah. So then, um, so then Jesus gets baptized, and then immediately the Spirit draws him into the wilderness. So now, now he's in the wilderness for forty days and forty nights. Clear reference connection to, to the forty years, forty years in Exodus, right? Um, however, Jesus does not fall to idols like Israel did. He gets tempted three times. He does not fall to idolatry, um, and worships the one true God, and subscribes only to the law. But it really. Jesus' ministry doesn't really take off until we hear that John the Baptist is arrested. And it's like that's closing the door on one thing and like opening the door of another thing. And I don't know. I feel like that, that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like that's almost like if you really want – that's like closing the New Testament because then you don't – you get – John asks about Jesus if he's really the – John has his own doubts and he goes, is he really the one? Mm. That we've been waiting for. That's when Jesus says, like, just go go tell him we've seen. But like that's like that's where Jesus' ministry takes off. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh what else is in Matthew uh chapter four? Uh his first disciples calling, yeah, calling the disciples. Yeah. And then he starts the healing ministry. Yeah. Um, and then that's very short, and then five, you get the Sermon on the Mount. So now the Sermon on the Mount is after he, he passed this 40 days and 40 nights of temptation in the wilderness. Now he gets a Sermon on the Mount. I mean, like, the Moses imagery is, like, obvious. Maybe not, though. I don't know. I, I feel like it is. Yeah. Yeah, and another— Especially when we laid it out like this, but, like— is, am, I, am I just misremembering this or making a connection that's not there? Isn't it the same mountain? Not the mountain. same mountain. It's same not the same mountain. Describe it. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when I wrote this or what I was getting it from, but in my Bible, I have um, to the east eagles trouble, manipulation of settings. Matthew misdirects the reader by having Jesus flee to Egypt in chapter five. So I remember here reading oh, this for like for safety. Yeah. Right. Where like Egypt would have been where they uh, well, was where they fled from correct where they fled right um um where they fled from and um was that right yeah they were always, fled from they were always like exiled east like east of the garden east. right right yeah so east is uh is where you go towards peace right uh, no no the other way around. the other way around and in this one um he's going towards the east right to pursue yeah. which means what is the not peace Israel now yeah yeah like the Right, which would be, yeah. Um, but but I think what you're thinking is, so I have here, chapter five, the words, he went up to the mountain, are verbatim quotation of Exodus 19.3. Um, in Exodus 19, the description is of Moses ascending Sinai to receive the law. Um, as others have noted, this particular phrase occurs only three times in the Greek Old Testament. Each of the three times is in reference to Moses' ascent to Sinai. So that's actually pretty interesting. I would think it would be way more than that. 
but it's only three times. Yeah, I have a little note that it's a very, what is it, mountain, uh, the expression up to the mountain here may be idiomatic or generic, much like you say, I went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Just saying, like, you went to this place. Yeah, well, before he, um, I was reading somewhere, uh, I think the first, is it the first mention of it? So he, when he went up on the mountain, he says he went up on the mountain and then later throughout the, throughout the gospel, it's always a mountain. Mm-hmm. That's what, what the, the end of this quote says. And it could be better translated to a, a mountain. What I'm saying is like, he, Oh, you're saying it's the opposite. What that I'm saying is, is when you, what, what translated, when we, how we, how we read it, the first mention of the mountain is the mountain. And then the rest of the time throughout the gospel is when he goes, it's a mountain. Almost to emphasize like this is an important mountain or gotcha. important. Drawing that connection the back mountain, to. The, yeah, correct. Like the mountain. Moses, went up to the mountain. The exact, it's the exact same Greek as gotcha. Exodus. Um, I may just have misread that commentary. But, but um, It's also funny like reading these comments. Like one of my Bible is like buy milk. I'm just kidding. Like, uh, these, <laughs> notes notes. Uh, these notes that I'm going back through them. It's like what was I thinking? When I was, <laughs> Like my grocery list, but they're written in pen, so yeah, that's it. It's that's, over. They're down now. Um, yeah, and then you get your sermon on the mount, which is if you've been following this pattern, which is now the law of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which so, is, like during um, Satan's tempts when Satan tempts Jesus in chapter four, um, you see the rehashing of the purpose of the law again, like the greatest commandments to love the Lord your God. And mm-hmm. um, where in um, verse 10, it says, then Jesus said to them, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. It's dealing with obedience and loyalty, like once yeah. again, yeah. Mm-hmm. like right at the heart of that. Um, so at, at when it comes to being tempted, the two ways to withstand temptation are to you know be loyal to the God, do not commit... Um, you know, have any other idols and to obey the, the law and obey him. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I don't, I don't want to say cool, but it's uh, it's interesting that Satan uses scripture to tempt Jesus. And it's like a manipulation of those scriptures to tempt him. It's very similar. Like he's basically, basically saying in, less, in lesser words, did God really say? Yeah, yeah. We're going back to yeah. the garden. Like, did God really? He's questioning God's. Like, God said this. Did he really? Like, did he mean it like this? Right. Did he mean it like this? Because if so, then then do this. Then do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we see Jesus doing this now to Satan and establishing this authority. And then he does just throughout the rest of all the gospels, mm-hmm. where it's like people just throw him scriptures and try to get him in a trap. And then he basically says, like, let me tell you what I really meant when I when I said it. Like, and it comes out with this third way of of, of living. Like option yeah. C, we talked about. Like yeah. uh, the one that comes to mind is is the uh, the woman caught in adultery, and they're they're constantly throwing the law yeah. and saying like the law tells us to stone such a woman. He says, right. "Well, he who is without sin yeah. cast the first stone." Correct. Yeah. I'm I'm reading that Bible that I just got 
um, the Abide Bible. It's supposed to be like a devotional Bible, but it's, it doesn't have any commentary in it at all. It just has questions on the side. Okay. I mentioned it last week. And at first when I got it, I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of like wishy-washy. But it's actually like really helped because what it does is um, we all have a friend named, named Maddie. And like she has like these like insightful things about like people in it. At whenever she brings them up, I'm just like, man, I never thought of that. And what it basically does is like ask Maddie's questions on the side. So okay, it, yeah. like it'll it's like um, it'll just say meditate on this verse, mm-hmm. and then it'll say pray, and then it'll be like insight. Um, so for like in the in Micah, one of the questions was like, what would it have been like to hear this message in chapter one as an Israelite sitting and like mm-hmm. he- hearing the prophecy that the place is going to be decimated? Right. Um, and then I was like, man, I never thought like you think of Israel as this like I don't know one rebellious everybody sleeping with it like when they say that they're yeah, adulterous yeah. and they're worshiping it's like there might have been some faith like there may have been a handful of faithful people yeah, that are yeah. here like what are you kidding me right like um and like that type of insight is helping me like i don't know appreciate the scriptures um more and more as because mm-hmm. i don't i don't think like that and i think like even when we're talking to um lisa whitaker like she has that type of brain where she was saying like people act out like okay you're matthew talk to me like you're matthew right, I right, to, like, right, right, right. i don't naturally like that yeah but it does provide insight you yeah. know into, into mm-hmm. people how they think and um yeah i think that's why we like things like that it does it for us yeah it's like we don't have to like you don't have to create a guess and then it. get wrong be wrong maybe yeah. you know what i mean like, yeah but that's the same thing like even with cole with the pharisees how you're like early pro-pharisee um um but like bringing that up is it's like seriously though like it's you're kind of putting yourself in their constant, shoes i was gonna say just because constantly i think of I, not that I think of myself as a Pharisee, but I I I, I do. <laughs> He's got little tassels with the scrolls on his yeah. head. Like I see where they're coming from because like my brain thinks naturally their way. I'm just like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, oh yeah, I, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, you give me very whitewashed tomb vibes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. No, but yeah, but that, that's, very brood of vipers vibes. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Do that again. <laughs> that was a cat yeah. for sure. <laughs> I was I was thinking like you know the viper like like they're. I did, um, but you did a very cat like yeah, uh, motion and hissed. Um, no, but when we went through John and you were like, you're very pro Pharisee, but the sign in your front yard is a vote Pharisee. Yeah. Um, they, uh, that helped though, because that's like a perspective that you had that has you see it from their perspective. And I guess you read through the gospels, putting yourself in a first century Jew. Yeah. And, and yeah, well, like, yeah, the, the whole Pharisee thing, it's like that makes Nicodemus's story come to life so much more. Heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, you know what he's like wrestling through. Yeah. You know what he's, Yeah. Then he finally comes to, but yeah, eventually. Um, My boy Nikki. So, yeah, I mean, so that's just up to. I think that's a good spot to stop at, like the Sermon on the Mount, and that is your like build up of Jesus as the new Moses, establishing that. That way, when he gives the Sermon on the Mount, you realize like, oh, this is the this is the new covenant that the that Jeremiah prophesied about, and the, like, mm. yeah. So I I have a question about the we believe that the the uh, writers had like where they were inspired to write but they had like intentional creative decisions like we talked about the writing uh, the genealogy and pairs of fourteen stuff to to write yeah, out yeah. David and stuff how much because I was thinking about the Sermon on the Mount how much of it is also Christ being God and knowing exactly what he has to do in like going up to the mountain. And in like the Jewish brain, and knowing that I, I, I see where you're going. You see where I'm going. Yeah. And the fact that he is God, and he knows it's going to be written down. So he's doing these very specific things, and saying these very specific things 
oh, in I, a way versus the the genealogy one, which is a very like twisted and 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 intentional one on the writer's part versus what was intentional on his part. Yeah. What what? How much do you think yeah. of what we've gone through was intentional on Jesus's part versus yeah. the writer after making more connections? Oh, I think a lot. Which way? A lot. Oh, oh, oh he said how much both. on either side. Oh, so, okay. Oh, so, That's I, a lot. I, I mean, I don't know percentage. I think, but I think. I think just just for example, we just used like the prophets did certain things, mm-hmm. like um, Isaiah would run around naked, and that was like, supposed to be a symbol of 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 Israel's nakedness and their idolatry, mm-hmm. like uh, before God. And um, John the Baptist intentionally like dressing a certain dr- intentionally dressing like Elijah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For a very specific reason. Yeah, you know, so. and like so so same thing with Jesus. Like I think Jesus went did a lot of things. To speak to the minds of the people, yeah, is that kind of what you're, I, yeah? Like I, I, like I think that's kind Jesus, of what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I I think Jesus went uh, like he could have, he could have given the it could have we could have been calling it the sermon in the lake, and he mm-hmm. could have given the sermon in a boat and mm-hmm. the, on the shores and there could of have been a different connection there. Uh, but but he I think he chose the, the sermon on the mount for a reason. You know, I think he chose. I mean, we went through a lot of that in John, yeah. like the things that he chose to do, where he chose to do them what the beliefs were at the time and when he was doing them and like yeah the mountains like is the one that like spurred it on but then i'm like thinking of other things he intentionally like has the disciples eat the wheat and i mean he like makes points right he's, that he, makes yeah. it like I don't well i think it's it's a to say that the author chose things doesn't diminish what christ was doing because like it, it, john 21 says like if every one of them were written down, I suppose the whole world would not have known. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so there's there was so much to choose from, and probably all of it, like everything Christ did, not just what was recorded, right. has perfect continuance, significance, connections. You know, and they were just like had this like, it's like you go to a buffet, it's like you can't eat everything. You know what I mean? Well, you, you can try. You can try, but like you, you kind of just pick. You know, right now this is what I'm. This is what I want my body to eat right now. You know, it's like how I picture like you know, you're you're Mark, and you're like, this is what I want people to know about Jesus. And there's so many things you just you you're like, all right, I you know, yeah. you start making choices because there's all this before you, and the Holy Spirit's guiding that decision making process. But it's it's we don't want to make the implication that the author is choosing to create a message that wouldn't have been presented otherwise. Does that make sense? Yeah, correct. Yeah, like like because right. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Yeah, he didn't just say that he was born. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like that. There's I, yeah. I guess the, the I one do that, get your the question. One that, the, yeah, the one that chicken and the egg. A little bit, uh, but I guess yeah. What I said earlier, what spurred it on is the fact that he intentionally went up to a mountain. Like the right, it's drawing that connection that it's more than just the writer pointing the connection that, like Jesus in his infinite wisdom, being God, made that choice, and like I don't know. I don't and know where it, I'm going with this, but yeah, I, it, well, and especially the, mm-hmm. the the people who are doing the writing. So you get Mark coming from Peter, then you get Matthew. Like, so I wouldn't imagine that it's just Jesus doing these things, and then the disciple, and you know, in his sovereignty, and then the, the disciples also through God's providence, like making that connection. Mm-hmm. And they choosing, picked up different ones. I think Jesus, I think that was, I mean, you're with him for three years. Not everything, they were in his inner circle. Mm-hmm. The ones that wrote outside of Luke, but he was using Matthew. Like the ones that wrote about Jesus's life were in his inner circle. So I'm sure they had in-depth conversations about the Sermon on the Mount. And 
You know, I'm, this is speculation. I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not speaking on behalf of God, but I'm just saying, like, if you're in his inner, like, they had more conversations than what are written down. That would be mm-hmm. ridiculous. You could have all those conversations in f- two hours. Yeah. You know, they lived with him for three years, so it's like. And some of those are written down that they talk about, like Jesus did a parable, and then he turns and explains it to the just right. To the so disciples. Right, exactly. So how many more that like Jesus could have told the to, like yeah, yeah this is why I went to the Sermon on the Mount. I was trying yeah. to make a connection to Moses. Mark, I want you to record. Yeah, and emphasize you know, this aspect of me. And I know we we constantly bring it back, not constantly, but we often mention the chosen. I think they do bring that up a couple of times. They're like, "Oh, why did you do this?" Or, "Oh yeah, and he's he, a rabbi," and he, and he like yeah, kind of exactly. says it. He's like, "Well, I think that that's a good connection." I was thinking this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, they structured yeah. times to ask him questions. You know, yeah. like as a rabbi would sit and talk to the disciples. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's all like again we we can only get like your point of John like we can only get so much, but like they like <laughs> we you could cover everything that they talked about. In a three-hour episode of our podcast, like they were mm-hmm. for three years, how many conversations mm-hmm. were like? Even if you just think about just in general, like if you were to describe like one of us to somebody, like you have, you're writing. I need you to write like a a five-minute blurb about everything you know about like Joe. You know, you'd have a lot to choose from. Mm-hmm. You'd want to selectively choose the characteristics that you'd want people to know. You know, like there's decisions that you have to make as an as a, as an author to present mm-hmm. a message. Uh, then imagine you have the Holy Spirit and Jesus there helping you, you know, <laughs> along the way. I thinking of that, that like gets me to think like for people who are studying the Bible or people who want to get that like literary side to do that as like an exercise, mm. like mm. in a friend group, like pick somebody and write like a quick chapter about somebody and like compare each other's stories and see like the perspectives people go. I don't know. I, yeah. That seems yeah. like a cool idea. Like just to yeah. get in the minds of like. You should do it about Bennett first just yes. to make it simple. <laughs> yeah. That way we're not, you know, offending anybody. Um, no, but and this is because we we kind of just like I skipped over this in the beginning. We were talking about indirect presentation, but mm-hmm. now it's it's gonna go full circle. So this is good. But um, the reason why people wrote like this in the first century is because you have limited, as John would say, you have like limited resources. So that's why they used artistic things like parallelism. Um, chiastic writing, like Genesis. So, like you know, we were talking about the other yeah. day. Like mm-hmm. the one is the seven, the two is the six, the three is the five, and then you got four in the middle. Like they wrote like that, and like they they used all these things to get as much information as they possibly could on a little little bit amount of space. Mm-hmm. So, and they became great at doing it, and you know, and um, yeah, and and they had the Holy Spirit behind them. So it's like, I think it was all. That's a good example. Like, so you're trying to cram as much meaning as you it's possibly can to use every tool at every your disposal. possible. Yeah, I'm going to use metaphor, hyperbole, chiastic thing, parallelism, contrast to like here's two stories, and I'm going to put them together. Maybe they didn't chronologically happen next to each other, <laughs> but I'm going to put them next to each other so that two things can express three things. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That story expresses that. This story expresses that, and. The point that Jesus has always talked about, I'm going to express by putting both of them together, mm. you know? Um, but it but also could very well have happened chronologically. You get Mark's, like, immediately this happened, and immediately that happened. Maybe maybe Mark's writing very chronologically. Um, but, but those are all concerns that we put into that first century readers would not put in there. But all that, like, out of all this, what you have to get from it is you can't lazily read. But yeah, come to conclusions. Yes. Like that's the main. Like yeah. we're not saying we even know any of the answers, but you can't be lazy about the approach. Correct. And if something doesn't seem to make sense to you, rest assured it makes sense to God. So mm. figure out why, because He's trying to tell you something. Yeah. Like we would never catch, and only it's all all, far, all our fault only. But like we would never catch that 
Matthew skipped three generations, mm-hmm. but they would. So it's like, oh, well, why is he doing that? Yeah, or yeah. The, the arc term for the yeah. basket. No, yeah, yeah. You know. We wouldn't catch that, but they would. So it's like, now why is he, so why is he doing that? You know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know. Thank you, Beskin. Why? Yeah. Uh, so are we wrapping up? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, we get a nice job. So, um, do you think? Do you? Do you? Would you guys consider this like? Uh, is it like hard to? Would you consider this like so obvious now that it's hard to unsee? Yeah, do you think we, any of it's a stretch? Do you think any like? I mean, obviously, we've had similar conversations to yeah. this, and so it's easy for me to get into it. But as you're going through and going chapter by chapter, I started picking out more and more of by it. yourself. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like now it's just more on the top of my mind now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of it's that, that far fetched just because John kind of had similar patterns. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. With like everything. Uh, just mm-hmm. not that it it's the same, but it's not con- – like John, we went through like the first seven chapters with like the actual books of the Bible. Like we yeah, 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 through, like yeah. Genesis, Exodus, mm-hmm. Leviticus. Um, so like that that is so specifically intentional and, yeah. and, and laid out that – to see like this, like yeah, that's probably it's probably you know right, that yeah. makes sense, um, and and it's just cool to see, it's just cool like that goes back to our further point. It's just cool to see like like Matthew is specifically, you know, arguably the first one written, right? Let's just say let's just say it is because I guess we'll never know. It was written. Well, who were the first believers? Jews. You know what I mean? John, last one written. Well, what was happening by the time John was writing? Gnosticism was rising. So John has to introduce Jesus as both God and man from the very beginning, and so it's just cool to see how they're catered to their audience mm. and like the time periods in the in the, in which they're writing. Um, yeah, it makes sense. The uh, when you brought up about po- towards the end how poetry is like you try to convey the most and the least. Yeah, and that seems to be every single word matters. Every yeah. like it's at the was it perfect words, perfect order. Um, I somebody smart to find poetry that way, and then, um, did I ever, did I ever say this to you guys? The 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 world's shortest short story. I think I told you this six word short story. It's like Thoreau or Emerson or something. Um, by Thoreau, that sounds about right. Yeah, uh, he he basically was sent a short story in, and he sent like a it was it was like a one page, and then his follow up was like, "I'm sorry, I didn't have enough time to write you a shorter story." Like he was like this guy was known for the longer you time you have the less you should have to say because you could say it in less words. But the the short uh, the short story is um, for sale, baby shoes never worn. Now is that because like you're gonna create your own story in your head? Yeah, but he's like that. It's there's only one answer. Like he right. It's like the, there was a miscarriage. The baby, the mom right, bought shoes, right. and now she's putting them up for sale, and she's heartbroken. And like this whole backstory, you kind of fill, you can fill in, and maybe there's some variables, but I would say like if, if more than fifty percent of people can come to the same conclusion, it's yeah, it's, yeah. Um, and, but that was his goal was to just shorten whoever it was, uh, just shorten as much as they could, uh, to the point where it was on the part of the reader to to work, you know, and fill in. And so like I used to t- I used to teach that as like a when we did short stories as the introduction to it and I'd say it and then like only two kids would get it right away and then you're just like all right so what did you when you went oh like a certain kid would get it like all right tell me what you thought of and as soon as the kid starts talking like you see all the other light bulbs going off right, and, right, right. like you can then you get you can get emotional from that because right, you yeah. just like you picture like a mom mm-hmm. who like carried this kid that bought like far enough along to buy shoes mm-hmm. 
you know, and probably knew the gender because they bought the certain color shoes. Right. So they had this baby girl. They probably decorated the nursery. That's what I'm saying. You start like, yeah, filling. You it start in filling yourself, it yeah. in, and now they're like putting them up, and she's probably tear filled eyes putting them on the windowsill, like saying they're for sale, and um. And then that kind of taps into people whose moms may have miscarried their brother or sister in class. And then, so anyway, just that, that is um, eye opening that either the Holy Spirit completely gave these writers the tools in those moments to compress all of their skills into like, you know, or, or like the writer just sat back and said, God, use me right now at all my skills and, and in the decision making process of writing. Um, I'm sure there are some like staunch people that'd be pissed that there's there we're presenting those as two possible options, but um, I wasn't there. Either way, yeah, completely, yeah. fully the work of God and man, just like Christ. Yeah, I think it was more. I would venture to say it's more like I don't know, it, very similar to uh, Bezalel building the tabernacle. Like it was mm-hmm. given a gift to do this. Mm-hmm. Go do it. Are like, there any writers? That were pretty much illiterate. That were that any writers that were illiterate. Yeah, like writers yeah, right. of of Bible books mm-hmm. that well, wouldn't have had those skills at all. I like, mean, it's it's just they you can't know any individual that if any in, one individual was illiterate, but they think that's why Peter used Mark. Yeah, because Peter might have been illiterate. I just didn't know if there was I, somebody like oh you know Moses I don't know but like Moses wasn't schooled. There's no way he knew anything. You know something like where. He had writing and dictating skills that were. I don't know. I can't well, I mean, think. I can't think the of wisdom one. of the Egyptians. Yeah, I was gonna say the irony is the other way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, he was a bad example. I yeah, was yeah, saying, yeah, you yeah. Know, someone. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, like David, I mean, maybe that's no. why though. Solomon, no. Maybe no. Because if God wanted the full, not that He does want the full credit for the the, the word, but. If God wanted to make, he took like really crappy fishermen and, and brought them to the apostle level because he wanted to take full credit for the glory of the of flourishing of the church. Like if he really, if, if God really didn't want to use any of mankind's skills in the writing of the scripture, wouldn't he pick like Helen Keller's? Do you know what I mean? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. It's all well, intentional. I just, I, I just think from the, we, we've done this before, like when we studied the Holy Spirit, I think I think the intention from the beginning was God to, and we actually we're kind of talking about this a little bit before we started, but like I think okay. from the very beginning, no, from the very beginning, God's intention was to for His glory to be shown through human beings, mm-hmm. and like He gave human beings dominion from the very beginning in the garden mm-hmm. over the animals and like a so it's like a we talked about this last episode like the pipeline, the blessings, mm-hmm. like His glory is to be shown through us. Um, yeah, like you said, it would just be yeah. Why not just a deaf and mute mm-hmm. and, and like they write use Homer the whole the whole bo- yeah yeah like you know. Um. All right, guys. Well, if uh, we kind of went through anything tonight that you're like, I don't remember that part or you need clarification, um, the authority is in your hands, not in ours. So open up. Well, it's also in our hands, but um, yeah, <laughs> we don't have Bibles. Uh, but open up the Bible, read, um, come to your conclusions, and just be. Um, in awe of what God is doing here. You've been encountered.
Thank you so much for tuning into the Encounter podcast and being part of the Encounter community. We treat this podcast as a ministry. We pray for it. We pray for our listeners, and we pray that the guests and the information and the gospel that we share on this channel and this media platform are always and only glorifying to Christ and Christ alone. And while we do that, guys, our podcast sometimes spans one to three hours. So if you hear anything that you disagree with while we are speaking, which is highly likely, be Berean Christians, you have a few options. The first one would be to take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. The second one would be to know that your and our authority should be and always be the scripture. So before you take anything at our word, please open the pages of your Bible, read them and find out what absolute truth looks like. Find it. And then the next step would be to reach out to us. And we would love to learn from our listeners um, as you are listening through a one-way communication to about our podcast. So please reach out to us with questions, concerns. We want to be held accountable. We want to have conversations. We want to see actual growth. But first, take a deep breath. Second, open your Bible. And three, give us a shout out. Have a blessed week.